Welcome to another breakdown of the Contender Series. This week we're going over week six, where we got a bunch of fun fights on tap, headlined by James Lontop going up against Malik Lewis, who is a former Contender Series alum. Uh, he's looking for a second opportunity to get into the UFC, but he has a tough Peruvian across him to try to make that happen. This has been a very eventful Contender Series season through five weeks. Underdogs have actually won more than the favorites. It's 13 and 11 in terms of how many times they've won compared to how many times they've lost. And last week, we had a couple underdogs uh, pick up a win. I think the biggest ones that I've cashed so far this year have been Kevin Borjas uh, from week one where he defeated Victor Diaz. And then obviously, uh, Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi going out there and taking out George Hardwick. So a ton of great underdogs coming through. Uh, I don't know so much about this card, though. It seems like the favorites are or the people who are favored should go out there and do the business. But there's just something about the apex, something about the contender series that brings out the dog in a lot of these underdogs. So we'll see which ones actually end up upcoming through so without further ado let's get right into the car we got five fights first of which is going to between going to be between gene matsumoto and casey tanner this is a fun matchup between two highly touted prospects although i believe the brazilian is the one that's a little bit more anticipated and has way more experience at this point in time he has a couple fights under the LFA banner, but he's a 13-0 prospect who picked up a win earlier this year via standing guillotine, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what he's capable of. He's actually initially coming from a striking background, training at Inside MMA or Inside Muay Thai, I believe the gym is, which is a uh, budding gym from the Brazilian regional scene who has a lot of great talent coming into the LFA, especially through the LFA Brazil uh, channel and uh, that uh, LFA has started to uh, develop over the last couple of years. Matsumoto is great everywhere, though. This guy stalks his opponents with his combination striking, but also has a nasty submission game when he's able to, you know, pull out in terms of uh, even if he's end up ending up on the bottom, he does a great job of not settling, always throwing up submissions, looking for reversals, and looking to get back to his feet. But even when opponents try to shoot desperation takedowns, this guy has a nasty guillotine that he's able to lock up and pretty much finished more often than not uh, we saw in his last fight he got the second round guillotine choke but it was close to being a first round guillotine choke as he locked one up with about 10 seconds left on the clock if he had another 10 seconds he probably would have put his opponent to sleep or got the tap and got the victory but this kid is probably one of my favorite Brazilian prospects on the yellow face scene right now and I'm very happy that he's getting this opportunity on the contender series his opponent Casey Tanner comes out of fight ready MMA as a lot of people know one of the best gyms in the world uh, but he hasn't been that active as of late you know he's only been competing a couple times uh, he's only competed uh, once a year since 2019 although he's had a couple of opponents pull out over the last couple of years uh, a heavy wrestler as you would expect and he does a great job in terms of taking his opponents to the mat and grinding them out however I have a little bit of an issue with his ability or inability to completely dominate his opponents in terms of controlling them I've seen a lot of opponents get out of those positions and make him work a little bit harder but the good thing about him is he's great at mat returns and he seems to have a decent enough gas tank to keep up a full 15 minutes if that's what's required However, this is going to be the toughest test that he has across from him this weekend as he takes on Gene Matsumoto, which is why I'm going to go with the Brazilian here, who is, in my opinion, rightfully favored. I saw him around minus 170 uh, over the weekend. He's down to about minus 145 at this point in time. And just looking at the wins this morning, it seemed like Casey Tanner, out of all the fighters that stepped on the scale this morning, had the toughest time making the weight. 
but he made the weight. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm just reading into it too much. Uh, but I think Matsumoto is going to give him more resistance than he's ever felt before. And I wouldn't be surprised if Casey Tanner just shoots a desperation takedown at a certain point in this fight and ends up finding himself in a guillotine and getting choked out here. But I like Matsumoto in this spot. I think he's more than deserving of being in the UFC, even though he's just 24 years old. He just turned 24 on Saturday. This kid is extremely uh, experienced already and extremely talented as well. And I think he picks up the win. Uh, I'm going to call it third round guillotine. Let's just say it's a late desperation takedown from Tanner that gets him choked out in this matchup. Next up, we got Julia Palastri going up against Patricia Aluhas. Palastri actually competed on the Contender Series previously, but she came up short against Jasmine Jazduvisius back in 2021. Since that fight, she's picked up a couple wins, including an LFA title-winning effort uh, earlier this year where she was able to finish her opponent in the second round. I got to say, though, that opponent, not the most experienced, and she was having a lot of trouble in terms of getting her own offense off. Uh, but the one thing she did against Palastri, which is kind of my flaw and uh, the, the thing that I'm a little bit worried about for Palastri here, is the uh, takedown defense. But Palastri did a really good job in terms of staying active off her back, consistently throwing up submissions, and eventually getting that reversal to end up on top and then get the finish herself. She's a great striker, which is primarily what she's best at, and I think that's what she's going to be able to, to lean on here to go out there and defeat Alujas. Alujas, man, I don't get why she's getting the opportunity here. She hasn't competed in over two years. Uh, the combined record of the opponents that she's beaten at this moment in time is 13, or sorry, 18, 33, and 1. Six of the nine opponents that she's defeated have a 500 or worse record. Uh, I, I really don't get it. The, the one fighter that she beat by split decision a couple years ago uh, is now 0-7-1 and, and has been finished by every opponent that she faced except uh, Aluhas. And I really believe that Aluhas probably deserved to lose that fight that night. You know, she was the one that sh showed way worse damage than her opponent that night. And Aluhas, you know, she somehow scrapes out the victory and gets the win. Um, she seems to be a striker. She trains out of Evalu Kautai over the last couple of years. But I just don't think she's been facing as much competition as Palastri has. She doesn't know what it feels like to go up against somebody that's going to provide her with this type of resistance. And even in some of the fights that she's been winning, she's facing resistance against some of these lower level opponents. And I don't really understand what's getting her this opportunity in the UFC or at least the contender series. I think Palastri is more the worth of the chalk at this moment in time. Uh, I think a lot of people read into the women's MMA narrative and be like, how could you trust a heavy favorite, especially in women's MMA? But I feel like Palastri is one of those spots where she has everything in this fight. You know, the only thing that I'm slightly worried about is the takedown defense, but Patricia doesn't scream, you know, D1 wrestler. She doesn't scream somebody that has crazy control over opponents. And the armbar victory that she has on her record was against a complete bum who just didn't know how to defend or even do anything off of her back uh, in that fight. So uh, I'm not worried about that at all. I think Palastri wins this fight pretty much any way that she wants to. Um, I think she gets it done by inside the distance. Like I think she actually uh, gets together a solid combination, maybe gets this fight to the ground and do great work from on top. So give me Palastri to get the dub here and hopefully get the contract this time around. Next up, we got AJ Cunningham going up against Steve Wynn. Cunningham currently riding a, a three-fight winning streak. Uh, his last loss was to Javier Garcia, who's actually the current featherweight champion over there in LFA. Uh, and Cunningham was actually a minus 400 favorite going into the fight with Garcia, but Garcia was able to get off on more damage and win that fight by decision. Cunningham is a guy that looks to mainly rely on his striking 
although he's not the most impressive in terms of really getting much off in that, uh, you know, effectively. His level of competition has been very sketchy as well, as I don't think he has faced somebody as tough as when, maybe with the exception of guys like Javier Garcia and Solo Hatley Jr., who are the two guys to defeat him on the uh, professional MMA scene. Uh, and Cunningham has recently been spending time with Bryce Mitchell as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of grappling techniques he's been picking up from our uh, from Arkansas's finest. But uh, I'm not really impressed with Cunningham. I don't really get what the big whoop is about him. Uh, he seems like a decent fighter, but not a guy that would probably make it to the UFC at this point. His opponent, Steve Wynn, has had two opportunities on the Contender Series thus far. Back in 2019, he had a solid performance against Alan Cruz until he got flying knee knocked out in the third round of that matchup. And then Wynn went on uh, to win a fight on the regional scene, took him 30 seconds to dispose of his opponent. And then in 2021, he got another opportunity on the Contender Series, won the fight by decision, but Dana just not impressed enough and decided to uh, not pick him up that time. Now, Wynn hasn't fought since that matchup, so he's had two full years off at this point in time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table this year um, and what kind of tricks he's picked up. He's a guy that trains out of Fortis MMA and has surrounded himself with a great team, uh, great training partners, and obviously saved Sayud at the helm of his training camp. Um, he's a long, rangy striker, does a very good job in terms of establishing his distance and battering his opponents from range, uh, but also has a nasty uh, choke game as as well if he needs to take fights to the ground but for the most part he's a guy that relies on his striking and I think that's where he's going to have a legitimate advantage over a guy in AJ Cunningham who just seems a little bit unsure of himself at times on uh, in the striking realm as long as Wynn's durability is up to snuff, you know, I mean, he's only been uh, or lost once and it was that weird finish or that nasty finish by Alan Cruz with the flying knee. As long as he can evade flying knees this time around, I feel like he can go out there, pick apart um, Cunningham and probably win this fight by decision. Next up, we got heavyweights on tap here between Eduardo Neves and Janata Diniz. Uh, Neves obviously had an opportunity on the contender series last year, but came up short against Mick Parkin as a very big uh, favorite that night. But Neves managed to bounce back on the regional scene with a win on uh, a, a, an obscure regional promotion, but then picked up the LFA heavyweight title earlier this year, uh, utilizing his uh, improved grappling defense, reversing the position on his opponents, getting the back of his opponent, and then um, ground and pounding him to oblivion. Normally, Neves is a slugger that loves to exchange in the pocket, utilizes explosiveness and power to hurt his opponents and put them away. But I'm not completely sold on the guy. You know what I mean? He seems a little bit slow. He, you know, he seems like a a bit of a Carlos Philippe, but with not as much output as Philippe. If you guys remember a boy Philippe uh, from a couple of years back in the UFC, um, he just seems like a guy that relies a lot on getting finishes. And if he's unable to, things might start to get a little bit sticky for him. So I'd be interested to see what kind of grappling improvements he's made, as that's where I kind of had the red flag on him going into the McParkin fight. His opponent this weekend, Janata Dinez, is not going to be looking to grapple. This guy is a kickboxing world champion, has competed against some of the best kickboxer, kickboxers in the world. And then in May 2022, he decided to change his focus to mixed martial arts, and he's been absolutely successful since. He's disposed of all five of his opponents in the first round, and he doesn't really go out there trying to 
immediately knock these guys out. He's walking them down, looking for his openings, and then exploding on those openings and eventually finding the finish. You know, again, not forcing the finish, more so just letting the finish come to him. I'm very impressed with what I've been seeing from the guy, and he does a great job in terms of just keeping his range and seeing the takedown attempts that are coming his way. Obviously, he hasn't been facing high-level takedowns at this moment in time, but I like the small things that I see in terms of him trying to improve that aspect of his game so that he can keep fights in the striking realm where he'll more often than not have the advantage over his opponent. Small things like digging under hooks and uh, widening his base as opponents are trying to take him up, uh, take him down up against the cage. Uh, he does a great job, and then defending in those aspects, but also inflicting small damage so that his opponents are deterred from continuing that takedown attempt. I like what I see from the guy. The guy's big too. You know, what I mean, I think Neves came in about ten pounds heavier than him, but Denez is still a very big, lumbering dude, and I think that he's going to have a legitimate advantage in the striking realm here. Obviously, Neves is a little bit wild and erratic with the striking especially with how successful he's been in terms of knocking his opponents out with that style but I think he's going to struggle in terms of getting that off here against Dennis I think we're going to see Neves look for takedowns and I think he's going to come up short in those spots and then from there I think we'll see Dennis uh, start to light him up touch him up and then eventually find a knockout the under one and a half is probably what I'm feeling most here but I might be clenching my butt cheeks slightly considering the fact that if Neves wants to drag this into deeper waters, considering he might be looking to grapple and looking to take him down, that might make things a little bit sticky for Dennis and also make it sticky in terms of cashing the under one and a half. Regardless, I think Dennis finds the knockout, knocks him out, and gets the dub here. And then the main event for the Contender Series, we got James Lontop going up against Malik Lewis, starting off on the Lontop side. He is another... A uh, member of the Peruvian Brigade that seems to be coming in to the Contender Series and making some noise. Currently, they're 2-0 and in the Contender Series this season. And both of them ha were underdogs. Uh, Kevin Borjas and then obviously uh, uh, Pedjuelos. Um, his Raul Pedjuelos? I might be <laughs> completely whiffing that guy's first name, but I remember it was Pedjuelos who managed to get his hand raised. But Lontop comes in as the favorite this time around. As people are starting to see that the Peruvians are legitimate. You know what I mean? These guys are making the changes necessary in their games to really put the damage on their opponents and put them away. We even saw Jesus Pinedo earlier this year uh, pull off a big victory and upset over uh, Brendan Lognane, and I think he also beat... Um, Bubba Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken, as well, which is another big uh, dub for him. Uh, but yeah, uh, these Peruvians, they're doing a great job in terms of pressuring their opponents, putting big punches on them, and looking to put them away. Their uh, willingness to not settle for bad positions is another big positive in their game, which is why they're always able to get back to their feet, force their opponents to continuously work, and then from there put their punches together and look to get them out of there. Malik Lewis is a guy that got his opportunity on the Contender Series last season, but went up against a very stubborn and durable Trevor Peak, who was on skates for the majority of round one, and then Lewis pretty much threw the kitchen sink at him, gassed out, and eventually got finished in the second, which is how the uh, the the myth or the legend of Trevor Peak was born, and he ended up getting his contract to the UFC. But Lewis went back to the regional scene, picked up a win on uh, 
uh, Peak FC, I believe the company is, uh, wins their title and now comes back to the contender series with another, another opportunity. He's a solid all-around fighter. He's a guy that mainly looks to re, um, rely on his grappling, his takedowns, and looking to grind opponents out, looking for those uh, those opportunities to finish. Uh, but, you know, his striking is not that bad either. But I think he's going to struggle here in terms of controlling Lon Top. And I think that even though Lewis might have a little bit of an advantage in terms of the technical aspects of striking, Lon Top is just a fighter. This guy wants to go out there and scrap. Uh, but, he, you know, he, he does look to grapple a little bit more than his uh you know, his fellow Peruvians that we've been seeing as of late. But I think that he sees that he can handle Lewis in the grappling here and then really start to put the punches on him, utilize his cardio advantage, and then look to put Lewis away later on in this matchup. So I'm going to go with the Peruvian here to get his hand raised. Now, it looks like I haven't picked any underdogs for this five-fight card, but I really think that a lot of the favorites are legitimately favored. The one dog that I think would be somewhat live I guess would be Eduardo Neves just because heavyweight's gonna heavyweight uh, but also AJ Cunningham uh, you know uh, may be able to take advantage of the um, the fact that Steve Wynn has not been active over the last two years so that's possible that's a possibility as well but I think that Palastri wins I think that Matsumoto deals with the grapple heavy approach of Tanner early and then takes over late and finishes him and then yeah like Again, this is the contender series. 13 of the 24 underdogs have been able to pull off the upset. Let's see if any of them get it this week, this weekend, or this week, sorry, or if the favorites finally reign supreme and sweep the board. There you guys go. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, I will be back tomorrow to break down the UFC Noche or Noche UFC card for you guys, headlined by the flyweight title fight between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko and all the other great content that I have dropping for you guys as well. All right, see you guys then. Peace.